As many of you are aware, I grew up on a farm, and uh, we baled hay, uh, lots of hay, um, and uh, we had uh, barns full of hay, and uh, as kids, uh, it was an amazing uh, environment to grow up in, and uh, I wish I could, could have done that for my kids, but uh, yeah, living in the city, we don't have hay. Um, so uh, we, we had lots of it, and uh, we would go out and uh, go in the mouths and, and just go crazy, and I remember one time we were in the haymow, jumping up and down on bales and just, you know, being, being kids, having fun, um, when all of a sudden uh, I started feeling massive pain in my back. And, uh, and one of my friends yelled, bees! And I was like, ah! And all I could feel was sting after sting after sting. And what I come to realize was the bale that I was jumping on, there was a nest inside that bale. And, uh, and I was being stung repeatedly. And, uh, you know, thank God for great friends because they all ran. Um, and, uh, and, and, uh, and so I got the picture, too, and I was like, okay, I got to get out of here. And I ran out, and, uh, again, my back just swelled up like crazy um, and uh, was in a, a lot of pain for seemed like a long, long time. And, uh, and so I, I'm not, when it comes to bees, they're, they're not my friend. Um, I love what they produce. Uh, I love honey. Like, seriously, I can eat spoonfuls of honey, right? Um, and uh, for me, it's a spoonful of honey makes the medicine go down. Um, so I love honey, but I don't love bees. And, uh, and there's a reason for that because the effects that have happened since being stung so many times, I still, to this day, if I get stung, swell up like a balloon. And, uh, and if I got stung in the right spot, I actually probably more than likely would die. And uh, that almost happened another time. I was out on the tractor, took my hat off, a bee flew and landed on my head. They had no idea. Put the hat back on. I'm driving along in the tractor, and all of a sudden, pow, in the top of my head, a bee had stung me. And all of a sudden, immediately, the, my back of my head going down my throat began to swell shut. And, uh, and, and thank God my mom's an RN. I called her, and I said, Mom, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to even talk to you. And uh, she could understand that. She flew home, gave me shots of Benadryl, and thank God I was okay. I have to, to this day, carry around an EpiPen because if I get stung in the right place, I will, it will not be good for me. Um, and, and so the effects of that sting on my life is very real. And so is the effects of, of what we are talking about Started last week, going to continue for the next two weeks after this, talking about death. Talking about the reality of, of death and the sting of death. And, and that every single one of us needs to understand that it is a real thing. The effects of death are real. Every one of us, as we talked about last week, are going to die. I am going to die. You are going to die. The Bible makes it very, very clear in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, it is appointed unto every single one of you, unto every single one of us, a point of death. You have an appointment with death. Now you can ignore that, you can try to delay that, you, you can do everything in your power to try to avoid it. The reality is you cannot avoid it. You cannot avoid that appointment. And you have no idea when it's going to come. 
You have no idea when death will come. Death is not a respecter of time. It is not a respecter of you as a person. It is not a respecter of circumstances. Death will come to your life. But as we talked about last week, the very fact that I am going to die is true. This is also true. It is not the end. It is not the end. Many, many teach today that when you die, that's all she wrote, and you're done, there is just no more. That is not what the Bible teaches. That is not what God's desire is for us, is that we would think that somehow at the end of this life, all we need to do is just live for this life, live for the here and now, and someday when, life is, when our life is done, it's over, and that's it. The Bible makes it clear that, yes, you are going to die, but it is not an end. It is not an end. And how did, how did death enter this world? Why are we going to die? Because of sin. We talked about that last week. Again, if you weren't here last week, I encourage you to go back, listen to it. But we talked about Genesis. We talked about how death entered into this world. Death came because Adam and Eve chose to sin. And that sin brought death with it. And as a result, it spreads to all of us. Romans 5.12 says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, death through sin, so death spread to all men because all have sin. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 55 and 56, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. You are going to die, but it is not the end. The effects of death are real. And the statement, this true statement that I want you to get across, that I'm, I'm hoping to get across today, that I hope you will think about, pray about, and seek God in, and just be willing even to ask questions about, is this. The effects of death cannot be avoided. They cannot be avoided. We try so hard in this country to avoid death. We try so hard to, to try to somehow cheat death. And we think that we are, if, if and again, please don't leave here, um, because saying stuff like, you know what, I'm going to die, so I'll just live however I want, um, we, we try to cheat it by, by exercise, we try to cheat it by eating right, we try to cheat it by doing this and that and the other thing, and again, are all those things, no, do them. Like, I'm not, don't walk out of here and be like, Oh, my pastor said I don't need to exercise anymore. Man, there's some doctors in the house that are going to strangle me. Like, that is not okay. Um, not eating right. Like, oh, I can just go eat and do whatever I want. That is not what I'm saying. That is not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is, is that you can do all those things, you are still going to die. There, there are athletes who are at the top of their game physically. They eat all the right things, and they still die. And then, you, you guys remember Willard Scott. Like Some of y'all are like, who's Willard Scott? You remember the guy who always used to, like, he always would say, this person's 114 years old, and they're the oldest person in the United States. And he would ask them questions about it, and, and, and he would say, like, what do you do for breakfast? I eat a pound of bacon every day. Like, what? How are you 114 years old and you eat, 100, you, know, you eat a pound of bacon every day? Yeah, I don't know. I don't get it. I just did what? You know, I mean, seriously, doesn't make sense. Death doesn't make sense. But the reality is you're still going to die. 
And you cannot avoid the effects of death. You cannot avoid it. And so what do we need to do? We need, we need to talk about it. And here's the reality. The reality is, is that there's, there's bad news in relationship to that statement. And there's good news in relationship to that statement. Today, today we're going to focus on the bad. Oh, great. Here we go. I'm going to get encouraged. Well, I hope so. I really do. I mean, I, I, you know, this is not, I'm not, please understand that as I talk about what I'm going to talk about, next week is coming, thank God, right? Uh, well, as far as we know. And, uh, and Easter is coming, Jesus rises, and, and so the good news, we're going to talk a lot about the good news next week. But, but please, please hear me out. I am sharing this stuff with you because, because of love. Not, not because I want to judge you or condemn you in any sort of way. I, I have no ability to do that. It is not my job to do that. God's job is, is as your righteous, just, holy judge, not me. I am far from that. And I make bad judgments all the time. God is ultimately the righteous. He is not ultimately. He is the righteous, perfect, just God. And, and we need to look to him. And so um, please hear me when I say, and I remind you about Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, because this is so important. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Listen, when we start to talk about the effects of death in relationship to the negative and or the positive, there can be lots of questions. There can be lots of wonderings. There can be, there can, and if we allow it, what, what ends up happening is if we, if we put our own understanding above trusting God, then what ends up seeping into our hearts is doubt. And what doubt does, as we said, it blinds you from the truth and reality of who God is. And that is not God's desire. That is Satan's work in your life, the enemy of, of God. That is his work in your life. And he wants you to question and doubt God and his goodness and his love. So you have, again, this, this verse, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. In other words, open your life to him in every area. And he will direct your life. I'm telling you, you know this. There are things about what we're talking about that, that quite frankly, I cannot wrap my mind around. And I will never be able to. Am I willing to trust God when I don't understand? Am I willing to trust God when it doesn't make sense? Am I willing to trust God when, when it doesn't seem fair or right or just? Am I willing to trust him? See, see here, again, I, I come back to this. It's so important. If God is not trustworthy with all, then God should not be trusted at all. So, so is he worthy to be trusted with the effects of death? I, I can't answer that for you. Only you can answer that for you. And so all I'm going to do is lay out before you what the Bible lays out as two of the effects of death. And they are this, physical death and spiritual death. Physical death and spiritual death. What is physical death? Here's what physical death is. Physical death is 
The separation, this is again according to the Bible, is the separation of the soul from the body. That is physical death. When your body dies, which by the way, it is dying right now. So again, you can, you can, you can ignore that. You can say, well, that's not true. But the reality is I know it's true because this morning when I woke up, my right knee was not working. Anybody else have an issue with one of their body parts this morning? I'm just, thank you, one of you. Uh, come on, y'all, seriously. Like, like, you have been faced with the reality that you are dying. And that death is imminent. And, and maybe some of you that are younger, you haven't reached that plateau yet, um, or that, that area yet, but you will. You will. And some of y'all are like, dude, you're just, you're a young little whippersnapper, I, don't talk to me about your little knee hurting. Um, <laughs> okay, you are more familiar with it than I am. I understand that. Every day, every day that you live is one day closer to you dying. I'm just saying. Um, and that's a reality that you cannot avoid. You cannot avoid what is spiritual death? Spiritual death is the separation of our soul from God. Physical death is the separation of our soul from our body. Spiritual death is the separation of our soul from God. Every single human being ever created, ever conceived, has a soul. How do I know that? The Bible makes it clear, Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, the Lord God formed the man of dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. That creation process that, that God had, had in place in Genesis chapter 1, verse, uh, in Genesis chapter 2, he gives to us as human beings in Genesis chapter 1, when he says to man and woman, Go fill the earth. Now, this talk is not about procreation. This talk, I want you to understand, though, what God has done is he has given us the ability to create life. As a man and as a woman coming together to create life, and the beauty of that is in Psalm 139. In Psalm 139, David is writing, he says, My inward parts you have, O oh God, formed. My body you have knit together in my mother's womb. Science does not create life. God creates life. Do, do we, need, we need to understand that. What is science? I, I love science. I have a degree in science. But what you need to understand is the basic premise of science is it's man's way of trying to figure out God's way, of trying to explain God's way. God is the one who creates life. Not, not even us as human beings form our babies together in the mother's womb. God does that. He knits them together, and in that moment of conception where God begins to form the body, begins to form and knit together the human being, he puts into them the breath of life, and they become a living soul. That is why we believe so strongly that 
God is all about life, and he is the one that is to direct life. He is the one who calls all life precious from the time of conception all the way through death. And, and so why, why are we adamant about God being the one who formed? Because he's the one who creates life. And every human life ever conceived has and been made in the image of God and is a living soul. And so you have a body, right? Can, can everybody agree you have a body? Okay, thank you. Pinch yourself. Somebody pinch your neighbor. Um, that, that, you'll have, you tell them. Um, don't do that. Uh, especially if it's somebody you don't know. That's weird. Um, <laughs> right? You have, you have skin. You have bone. You have tissue. You, you have you have. Uh, cartilage, you have organs, you have all that stuff that is your human body. That body is going to die. But you also have something in you that is eternal. Your soul. You are a living soul. That is, your soul is who you are. It's who you are. Second Corinthians chapter 5 tells us that this body is the house or tent of our soul. And, and so your human body is the house or tent of your soul. There is a point at which you are going to experience physical death. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8 says, to be absent from the body. There is going to be a point where you are going to Exit your body. And you're going to leave that body behind. And, and as the Bible says, from dust you came to dust you will return. That is what happens. And you need to understand that day is coming. And there isn't anything you can do to avoid it. And many of us understand it because we've experienced it, not in the sense of our own death, but someone that we've loved, cared about, and, and spent much time with, and we've seen them, that, that body lay there in a coffin, and we know they're not there. They have gone, that house is there, but they have left. And so we know the effects of physical death in our life. And it's, and it's bad news. It's not what God designed. It's not what God created. It's not what God wants. But it happens in our life because we chose to disobey God. And so as a result, we die and we feel that effect. Some of you are feeling it much more than others right now. Because you just recently lost someone. You just recently had to say goodbye to someone's soul that separated from their body. And it hurts. It stings. And can I just say to you, check out John chapter 11 if you would. John chapter 11. Again, I, I want to spend a, just a little bit more time here and then I'm going to go into spiritual death. How, what, how can we respond to this right now? Physical death is coming. Some of you are experiencing it. I just want you to be encouraged for a moment, if you would. John chapter 11. Jesus comes to his friend who has died, Lazarus. Mary and Martha are there. 
they're mourning, they're grieving the loss of their brother. Lazarus is a very close friend of Jesus. John chapter 11, verse 35, we have the shortest verse in the Bible, and it's this, Jesus wept. Now, I know I've seen all kinds of commentaries, all kinds of theologians give what, their explanation of why Jesus wept. Can I just say, in real simple man's terms, Jesus lost a friend, and he is grieving. And it's okay. Jesus wept. I mean, this is not just him sniffling a little bit. This is, he's un, uncontrollably crying. He is weeping over the loss of his friend. Can I say to you that is okay? Weep over the loss of somebody in your life. Grieve over them. Jesus even goes on and, and it talks about that, that, that some were saying, why couldn't he have gotten here? He, he opens the eyes of men. Why couldn't he have stopped this man from dying? And then verse 38, and Jesus deeply moved. Some versions say groaning within him. He is angry. He is mad at death. Not at these people who are questioning him. He is ticked off at, at death. Death has taken his friend. Death is causing his other friends to, to grieve and to weep and to mourn. Can I, can I just say to you, it's okay to be angry at death. It's okay to be upset that someone that you love is gone. But can I also say to you, what, what we see here in John 11 is that you also are called to live. Yes, they have died, but you are called to live. And the, and the question that I would ask you to ask yourself is something that I was challenged with when, when this happened in my life, was this, is you need to think from their standpoint, how would they want you to go on living? How, how would your loved one that has passed away, how would they want you to go on living? Physical death is inevitable. It is something that every single one of us will face. Spiritual death. This is really bad news. Worst news ever. Worst news that anyone ever could hear. And it's oftentimes the one thing that we don't talk enough about. If you would, turn to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, we see an amazing picture of the reality of spiritual death in our lives. And here's, here's what the Bible says. Ephesians chapter 2, Paul is writing. He says, you were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, who's that? That's Satan, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. What does that mean? What that means is, is every single one of us has a sin nature. Every single one of us has been born into sin. 
you have a sin nature. Now, these people that go around saying that people are basically good, um, I got to believe those people have never been around kids. I mean, I, I love my children, but I do not have to teach my children to do wrong. Some, well, some of them, the very first word they said was not mama or daddy. It was no. And, and so we, we, what the Bible says is that every one of us is a child of wrath, a child of disobedience. Like the rest of mankind. Why? Because when sin entered the world, it affected every single one of us. And as a result of that sin, listen, the wages of that sin is death. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned, all fall short of the glory of God. There isn't anybody, the Bible even talks about, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is not one who seeks after God. We are all guilty of sin. And the penalty for that is spiritual death. What is spiritual death? 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 9. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. Away from the presence of God. Spiritual death is the separation of the soul from God. To where? Well, the Bible makes it extremely clear that the where is hell. The where is hell. I, there's different words throughout the Bible like Sheol and uh, Hades and, and uh, Gehenna and Lake of Fire. All of these are talking about the place that is separated from the presence and the love and goodness of God. And guess what? Every single one of us deserve to go to hell. You say, that's not fair. Well, I'll say in reply to you, as my coach used to say to me, there's three fairs in life. The county, the state, and the world. You do not get to define what is fair. You are not God. You are not just, you are not righteous, you are not holy, you are not perfect in any of those things. We are never asked by God to tell him what's just and fair and right. What we're asked by God, what we're told by God, is to obey him and to trust him when it doesn't make sense. So every single one of us deserves hell. Do you, you know Jesus? Jesus. Who all these people always, all they talk about with Jesus is that he was, he's all love. That is true. But do you know that Jesus speaks more about hell than he does about heaven? You can read it for yourself. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Read it for yourself and find out Jesus speaks more about hell than he does about heaven. On the board, there's going to be a whole list of verses. If you want to write them all down, awesome. Take a picture of it, whatever. I think it's coming up. Where is that? There it is. I'm not going to read all those. There's no way. Every single one of those, this is just the book of Matthew, and this is just some of them. 
talk about hell. Talk about the reality of hell. And what he says, he uses some language that's difficult for us. Like unquenchable fire. Destruction. Away from his presence. Blazing furnace. Darkness. Eternal punishment. Weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is just some of them. Why, why would Jesus speak more about hell than heaven? Can I, can I ask you a question? If you have a two or three year old child and you're sitting there next to a really busy street and that child takes off running for that street and you know they are not going to survive in that street, are you going to just sit there? No. You're going to get up. You're going to run to them. You're going to stop them. You're going to warn them about the dangers of running into that street. But here's the reality. Even if you do that, you still have, that child still has to make the choice to never go and run into that street. Because you're not always going to be looking. You're not always going to be paying attention. A kid can figure out how to open up the door and run out the door. Ask my wife about that. Our son Nathan, two years old, out the door. Right, I mean, seriously, went over, and we had no idea where he was. And he went to a neighbor's house, walked up to the neighbor, he can be like, bad parents, that's awful. He opened up the door. Like how he figured it out, I have no idea. He still made a choice. We still make a choice. What is the most loving thing for Jesus to do is to warn us about the reality of, of this hell. Amen. And what does he do? He's, he's doing that. Warning us, saying, listen, this is not where you want to go. This is not where you want to spend eternity. This is not what you want to experience. And that's really, really bad news. Everybody close your eyes. Bye. No, I'm just kidding. Let's not do that. I'm not going to leave you there with that. I can't. I cannot do that. Because if I just left you there with that, we would be of all people most miserable. But listen, I want to give you a glimpse into something good, some good news. Well, this is a reality that you cannot avoid. Death is a reality that you cannot avoid. I want you to understand something. Second Peter Verse three, or verse, chapter 3, verse 9 says this, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises. Some count slowness. Oh, aren't you glad for this next statement? But he's patient toward you. He's patient toward you. Not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Ephesians chapter 2, we read verses 1 through 3. Check out what verse 4 says. Remember verse 1 to 3 is talking about we're all in trespasses and sins. We are all children of wrath, like all of mankind. Check out verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead and our trespasses made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. 
You have been made alive by putting your faith and trust in Jesus who paid the penalty for your sin and rose again, defeating the power of sin, defeating the power of death, and offers to you life. And he offers to you life abundant. God so loved the world, John 3, 16, something. God so loved the world, he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him will not perish, will not suffer spiritual death. That's what he's saying. Not perish, but have eternal life. Check this out, though. It doesn't end there. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. But what did he do? He sent him in order that the world might be saved through him. John 5, 24, Jesus' own words. Very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Yeah, woo! And y'all better get excited about that because you don't have nothing else going to excite you. Not the Cubs, not the Cardinals, not anybody. Or whatever. Nobody. Listen, he, yes, the effects of death cannot be avoided. The effects of death cannot be avoided. But here's the deal. Hell can. Hell can be avoided. But it's your choice. God gives you the ability to choose it. And I do not know what you're going to choose. But here's what I do know. You may be sitting here thinking, I I don't even know if Jesus is my Savior. I don't even know if heaven will be my home. I don't know that. Can I just tell you something? You can know that. You can know that. Not hope for it. Not think maybe. You can know it. The Bible says these things have been written so that you may know in whom you believed and have eternal life. Choice is yours. I can't make that for you. Nobody else can make that for you. You have to make that for you. Do you know Jesus? Listen, if we don't face this reality of spiritual separation, we'll never know why we need Jesus. Why we need Jesus is because you and I cannot save ourselves. We cannot save ourselves. There's nothing we can do to save ourselves. There's only one who can save us, and that's Jesus. That's why all these verses say it's through Jesus. I'm glad you're here at church, but this church will not save you. I'm glad you've been baptized, but guess what? Being baptized does not save you. I'm glad you can read your Bible and you can pray, but those things will not save you. The thief hanging on the cross, the thief hanging on the cross never had time to get baptized, never had time to study the Word of God, never had time to pray. He simply looked at Jesus and said, remember me today. And what did Jesus say? Too late for you, buddy. No, he said, today you will be with me in paradise. Today. I love, I, love, I don't know if you guys know Alistair Begg or not, or you ever heard of Alistair Begg. But, uh, but I'll tell you what, Alistair Begg does, does this amazing talk where he's, he's like, the, you know, the, the thief on the cross is standing before Paul, and, and Paul's saying, why should I let you in? And, and he's like, don't you know the, the doctrine of justification, or don't you, have you been baptized, or all this other stuff? And he's like, no. I just, I'm here because the guy in the middle told me I could be here. 
And, and, and so I'm like, yeah, you guys get on YouTube, go check it out. Alistair Begg, uh, the guy in the middle. Um, it, mm, good stuff. Listen, listen. The effects of death cannot be avoided, but hell can. Hell can. You were asked earlier to ask God to speak to your heart. Follow-up question, closing, is what's he saying to you? And will you share it with somebody else? Will you share it with somebody else? I'm going to ask you, would just close your eyes, bow your head. I realize that it's over time, but eh. oh well. Thanks for being gracious, merciful. Listen, I, I got to ask you a personal question. And I, I, I seriously want every eye closed, every head bowed. I don't want you looking around. This is between me and you and God, and that's it. Me, you, and God. I want to ask you a question. Do you know that Jesus is your Savior? And do you know if you were to die today, that heaven would be your home? Do you know that? Do you know it? And here's, here's the thing, and here's what I want to do. If you don't know that, here's what I want to ask you to do. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to, I am not going to embarrass you in any way, shape, or form. That is not the idea of this. I'm not trying to twist your arm. I am not trying to manipulate you into the kingdom. I'm not doing, that is not, this is you and God and your heart. Would you be willing to say, I do not know Jesus as my Savior. I'm not sure that Jesus is my Savior, and I am not sure that heaven will be my home. Would you just raise your hand? It's between me, you, and God. That's it. Would you just raise your hand? Anyone in this room, I do not know for sure that Jesus is my Savior, and I do not know for sure that heaven will be my home. Is there anyone like that in here today? That would simply say, yes, I'll raise my hand and just say, here I am. Anybody? That's okay. Honestly, it doesn't matter what I think. It only matters what God thinks, to be honest. But maybe you're here and you're going, you know, that's, I, I just, that's me. I know that's me. How can I know? Listen, it's simple. Faith like a child. A, B, C. A, acknowledge that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. Acknowledge that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. B, believe that Jesus is that Savior. That Jesus gave his life for you, paid the penalty for you, and he offers to you life. And then C, tell him. Confess it. That word confess means to agree with. So agree with God. Tell him. There's no magic words. God's not, it's not about your words. It's about your heart. Are you willing to give him your heart? I'm just going to give you a moment. Would you just ask him, just talk to him? You can say something like, Jesus, I, I know I'm a sinner. I believe, I, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I believe that you're that Savior. I want you to forgive me of my sin. I want to begin a relationship with you. I'm telling you that now because I want to know that you are my Savior and that heaven will be my home. Give me something simple like that. Doesn't even have to be that. If you're here this morning and you prayed that, you talked to God and, and can I just
just ask you to do something? Would you tell somebody? Tell the person that came with you. Come and tell me afterwards. I put my, I, I, I prayed that. I did the ABCs. Kind of cool after first service with two people that came up to me afterwards and said, I, I did the ABCs this morning. Awesome. Two people that weren't sure that they're leaving. Sure, I know. That's good stuff. Praise God. Praise God. You say you know him. That's awesome. What are you doing to tell other people about Jesus? Like that parent sees their child running for the street. What are you doing to go after that person? tell you I'm not doing enough I'm just being honest I'm not doing enough and I need to do more God thank you thank you that that you see our hearts you see into our soul you know the eternal home of our soul God thank you that you love us that you desire for us to know you be in relationship with you Lord, thank you that no matter what is going through people's head, God, you know their heart, and you love them deeply, so much so that you sent your son. Thank you for that. Thank you that even though the wages of sin is death, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God, I pray that every single one here, every single person watching online would know the truth. God, that that truth would set them free. Thank you for your love in Jesus' name.